Ladies and gentlemen, people of the internet, welcome back to yet another episode of Crypto Over Coffee. I hope you're doing well today, and if you're new here, every Saturday we break down the latest news and the hottest topics in the world of technology and cryptocurrency over a cup of delicious coffee. That being said, in today's episode, I'm talking about Elrond and blockchain gaming with Chainboost and Chain Guardians. We're talking about Cardano's Alonzo hard fork for smart contracts, our usual 404 Logic Not Found segment, and more. So make sure you stick around for all the updates. If you like crypto, please do subscribe to the channel and hit the bell button or follow the podcast on your platform of choice so you get a heads up whenever I post new episodes of crypto over coffee. And just a friendly reminder, please be aware of the scammers in the comments that are posing as me and other crypto YouTubers. I don't have a WhatsApp. I'm not going to ask you to contact me. If the comment does not have the name highlighted like you see here on the screen, it isn't me and you can go ahead and report them. Be safe out there, folks. Now, in partnership with the folks at Keystone, I give away a Keystone tablet steel seed phrase backup device in every episode by picking a random comment from the video. And then I also give away one Keystone hardware wallet per month. So just for transparency, these products are only available in select regions. So if you win and you're from an unsupported region, I'll just send you some Bitcoin instead. Now, the winner of last week's giveaway for the Keystone is here on the screen. So big congratulations to you. And of course, I will be in touch for you to claim your prize. All right, folks, let's kick it off with a crypto market update like we always do. And while we haven't had an explosive weekend pump going into Saturday like we have in the past two weeks, at the time of recording, the markets were still predominantly green with Bitcoin sitting at the cusp of 49,000, Ethereum at 3,200 and ADA right back up near its high of $3. The thing that I've noticed that's really moving the markets right now in a bullish direction more than anything else is a shift in sentiment. There's positive energy around crypto right now, and that makes a huge, huge difference in the market. Not only is institutional interest in crypto expanding again, but retail investors are also showing renewed interest in crypto through NFTs, through DeFi, through gaming tokens, and all sorts of other things like that. So if you wanna see this sentiment in action and how important it actually is to the market, Let's just look as early as yesterday. Let's look at the Ethereum news that came down. It was quite unnerving, this Ethereum news, because Ethereum suffered a chain split, and we'll talk about that more later. But the markets didn't panic. In fact, Ether went up in the spite of that negative news. And this is just one instance where positive sentiment powered us through a potentially sticky situation. If this same thing happened two months ago, we would have seen probably a 10% roll off on Ether and many different projects in the same ecosystem. This is one of the main reasons I'm still confident we have one more bull cycle left this year. Now, if you've watched the channel for a while, you'll remember that I'm a, a fan of and have collaborated with Chain Guardians and Chain Boost multiple times over the last several months before they actually started getting the attention that they deserve. Chain Guardians itself is a fantastic NFT gaming ecosystem with a turn-based game, super fun to play, and there's more games on the way. And users in that Chain Guardians world are rewarded with opportunities to get allocations in popular NFT and DeFi projects through its native launchpad, Chain Boost. Chain Boost has offered IDOs for popular gaming and NFT projects like uh, Netwerk or NetVRK, which I shouted out last week actually in Crypto Over Coffee. Chain Boost and Chain Guardians were underrated for a long time, and now they're getting the attention that they've deserved all along. So I'm really happy for them. But that's not the main story here. The main story is that Chain Boost is coming to the Elrond ecosystem to incubate Elrond based NFT gaming and DeFi projects using the native Elrond Standard Digital Tokens or ESDT token standard. Elrond has the 
technology foundations to succeed at scale with its adaptive state sharding mechanism and more. It has a dedicated community and it has some of the best user experience components in the entire crypto space with things like the Maiar wallet. All that's missing for Elrond right now is a rich ecosystem of DeFi, NFTs, and other utility to bring liquidity into the network. Liquidity is king in crypto. Bringing Chainboost onto the Elrond network is one of the best moves that Elrond can make in my opinion, because in tandem with the Myr Exchange DEX that's coming just around the corner, having an incubation ecosystem for new projects that can feed that exchange will be an amazing combination. From my perspective, if Elrond can pull in some significant liquidity and get funds flowing through DeFi on the network, it will trigger growth that Elrond fans have been waiting for all along. Speaking of that, I have a video coming next week with Wesley Kress, a very talented researcher who has been studying the fundamentals of Elrond. And you really won't want to miss his case for why Elrond is going to crush it in the future. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel so you don't miss that video when it drops next week. Now, last week, I shared with you a handful of gaming and metaverse projects in the crypto space that I thought were interesting, not to tell you to buy them, but just because I think they're really cool. And this week, I wanted to share one more because it's really, really, really awesome. And this particular metaverse project, I think I even saw it in the comments last week, but it's built in the Solana ecosystem, and it's called Star Atlas. And this game is going to be huge, not only in scale, but I think it will also be wildly popular as well. This metaverse strategy game will allow the user to traverse the depths of space and discover all sorts of content and experiences in an open multiplayer environment. The game will of course be backed by NFTs and have its own economy around resources and in-game items of the like, which means that players will have opportunities for play to earn where you can actually profit from playing the game. Being built on Solana, it will mean that the game has the transaction throughput required to do things that other games might not be able to at scale with the in-game economy, which will be very interesting to see unfold because this will be the first really big example in the Solana world. I may be wrong, but I think this is the biggest consumer of Solana transaction throughput that we will have ever seen so far. Now, You'll notice when I talk about new projects, I don't talk about the tokens because this channel is not really about investing in tokens and the 100x, 10x conversation. It's really about learning. So if you choose to invest in something I talk about, please do exercise caution and evaluate the timing of that investment in particular. That said, before I get a million questions about Star Atlas, they did just announce a token sale both the game token and the governance token, which can be found at the link in the description below. There's more information there, at least. Again, please be careful with speculative altcoins. It's not always a surefire win, but I do think this is gonna be a long-term success personally. So I'm leaving the information there, do with it what you will, but please be safe. Cardano fans will be absolutely delighted as well to see that one of the final go, no-go toll gates has been passed successfully for the launch of the Alonzo hard fork that brings smart contracts to the Cardano mainnet. In a series of tweets, IOHK announced on August 27th that they had submitted the upgrade proposal to the Cardano testnet to do a final dress rehearsal for the launch of smart contracts. This final stage of open testnet testing is effectively the last hurdle that the project must face before mainnet launch is ready to go. What this means for the launch date is that we're still looking at the September 12th, 2021 date for full launch on mainnet, which is exactly what Cardano fans will want to hear. We're on schedule. Once smart contracts go live on mainnet, expect to see a serious deluge of applications begin to pop up on Cardano, ones that have been testing and building throughout the entire testnet phase of launch over the last several months. 
I think people are going to be surprised how fast the first set of dApps land on Cardano. It really is a special and exciting time to be a part of this community. And for Cardano NFT holders in particular, expect to see a Cardano decentralized NFT exchange coming out because it is much needed. The CF CNFT platform is really cool. Don't get me wrong, but hopefully it'll be an on-chain one as well. By the way, final note here, if you are a Cardano ADA holder and you have not already done so, please do consider delegating to my stake pool on Cardano with the ticker symbol H4SH. Every single ADA helps my pool grow and mint blocks more consistently and is much appreciated. Now, next up is today's game of fact or FUD, where I take a piece of no good, very bad news and tell you whether it is fact or simply fear, uncertainty, and doubt. But first, a coffee break. Yet again, as Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies approach bullish markets and all-time highs, news from China has come out causing fear of further crackdown on crypto in the country. Reports came this week about the People's Bank of China and an official therein who made several comments about the danger of cryptocurrency. Among these comments were that Bitcoin and crypto were just hype, they have no actual value, and that the central bank will maintain a high-pressure situation on the industry. Of course, this prompted fear from people in the crypto space around the world, as it always does. And I want to just say this without any doubt, this is FUD. Every time crypto moves upwards, there's China mining FUD, there's China crypto crackdown FUD, there's any number of things that come out of China. And this has probably happened a hundred times in the decade plus that I've been in the space. And it's always turned out okay. Worst case scenario, there is more crackdown and yes, it sucks, but the crypto world is resilient and it will survive like it always has. So please don't sweat this stuff. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for 404 Logic Not Found. And for those of you who are as of yet uninitiated in this little firecracker of a segment, I highlight notable tech related fails or otherwise stupid moves in the world that need to get some attention. And speaking of attention, if you wanna help this episode of Crypto Over Coffee get some attention from the algorithm robots, please do hit that like button, get subscribed, follow the podcast, whatever you can do. It tells those robots that you're enjoying the content and that others might also enjoy it. So thank you for that in advance. Now, you likely heard about the drama around Ethereum yesterday, where there was an unintended chain split on the network. This means that there were two chains being mined simultaneously on the network, which can eventually lead to more catastrophic results if not mitigated relatively quickly. This chain split stemmed from events prior, where the main Ethereum client, Geth, announced a hotfix for a high-severity security issue found in testing by Telos. This upgrade, or hotfix, was launched, and Ethereum node operators were encouraged to upgrade to the latest version to prevent that bug from being exploited in the wild. However, in a decentralized community, it's very hard to make everyone upgrade because you have no means to force them to do so. Unlike in a mobile app or a web app where you can say, hey, it's not going to work anymore if you don't upgrade. Now, this is where the lack of logic comes into play, because one of the causes for this chain split was major node operators mining on the network, failing to upgrade in time. And what shocked me was the stature of the major offenders who hadn't upgraded their nodes. Based on reports that I saw, Flexpool, BTC.com, and Binance were some of those names that didn't upgrade in time. And these bigger names were still using the old Geth client in mining ops and had to be notified of the chain split and pushed to upgrade the chain during that event response. To me, if you're a Binance-sized company with the reputation you have in the space, there are no excuses for not keeping your nodes up to date, particularly when it's a critical security update that affects not only your users, but the entire network. 
running a node or mining on the network is not something you just do passively and then forget. It's something that requires attention and upgrades need to happen. And this is not the first time. Not necessarily these same parties, but big pools or node operators mining on the network or just running nodes in general have failed to upgrade their nodes in time in the past and it's caused issues before. Fundamentally, if you're a big node operator, you're a mining pool, you have a responsibility to the network to keep your node up to date and healthy. And failure to do so is a 404 logic not found. All right, folks, following their mainnet launch, the sharding enabled blockchain network Multivac sponsored a segment on the show. So this is a sponsored segment, by the way, full transparency to show off and highlight some of the technology that they've built in the years of work that's gone into the project. Again, not a call to action to buy a token, just sharing some information. After taking some time to dig deep into their documentation and to learn about the mechanics of Multivac in the white paper, there are a couple things that really stood out to me that are unique from other projects doing something similar. First and foremost, Multivac takes a unique approach to the grand trilemma in blockchain, and that's the fact that it's really hard to achieve maximal scalability, decentralization, and security at the same time. There's always a trade-off between one or more of those elements to optimize for the other. And this trilemma is the crux of what most projects are innovating to solve for. However, when a developer is creating a decentralized application, they inherit the trade-off decisions that the protocol developer has made for their blockchain of choice, which can either make or break their application. Some dApps might not need maximum scalability, but they do need the ultimate level of security and consistency, for example. Other applications might not need the highest degree of decentralization, but need to scale to huge capacity. So Multivac offers a mechanism in their all-dimensional sharding mechanism and virtual machine called Blockchain Instruction Set Computer, or BISC, for developers to choose the optimal environment for their application-specific needs. For example, developer can choose a shard with a smaller volume of randomly assigned nodes to achieve higher throughput in return for a trade-off in decentralization. Now, this is a very fascinating concept where a developer can tailor the network resources they need for their specific use case. Furthermore, the proof of instruction execution or POIE consensus mechanism is rooted in the virtual machine in this parallel computing sharded environment where each node is responsible for replicating the execution of instruction sets as a means to impose an economic disincentive for malicious behavior. And this is similar to how Bitcoin or Ethereum do with the cost of POW, but very much rooted in the execution of applications or smart contracts. So there's some very fascinating technological components and concepts in Multivac and I'll be tinkering with it as the mainnet post-launch unfolds, this post-launch process with staking and more nodes being created on the network. So I really want to thank Multivac for helping make Crypto Over Coffee possible. Thank you. Now, this happens very seldom, but I do have two sponsors today, and I want to also take a moment to shout out Crypto Over Coffee's consistent weekly sponsor, Ledin. Ledin is my go-to platform to earn yield on my Bitcoin and USDC stablecoins. With other platforms like BlockFi lowering their reward rates again for Bitcoin, now is a great time to explore potential alternative platforms to grow your Bitcoin stack. Ledin currently offers 6.1% interest on your Bitcoin and 8.5% interest on USDC stablecoins when you have capital on the sidelines. New accounts can earn $25 in USDC for qualifying deposits, and I will leave a link down below if you are interested. Thank you for your patience, and thank you to Ledin for helping make Crypto Over Coffee 
a fantastic show. All right, folks, let's do some community Q&A, as we always do. I always like to answer questions from folks who watch the show, and I've got some questions from last week's episode and Twitter that I'm going to answer, and I want to remind you that if you have a question that you want answered, leave them in the comments on YouTube, or if you're listening on the podcast platform, you can tweet me at Hashoshi4 as well. I do monitor questions there. So let's go ahead and dive into these questions. All right, first question of the day is from Ramiz Kazi. Can you make a video on what can go wrong on September 12th? So this question is in regard to the Cardano Alonzo hard fork, which is scheduled for September 12th right now. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned that right now everything is on schedule. They're going through the sort of final test net test of everything. I really don't know any better way to describe it. And that's going to really show how ready it is for, for mainstream. If there are any major showstopper issues, they will likely be caught in testnet. And that's really the whole point here. That would be one of the things that would delay that September 12th deadline. If on September 12th, everything goes into mainnet and it works for all intents and purposes, this is what I think could potentially go wrong or, or what would be the worst case scenario for this. The worst case scenario is if there is a performance issue or there is some sort of security vulnerability found that was not found in testnet. How likely that is? Very small. It's a very small likelihood. That's the worst case. Sort of the more realistic potential challenge that I see could get picked up in the media and people could get upset about is if a lot of the projects that have been working in testnet that have been building their applications don't actually deploy those applications within a couple days of that September 12th date. Again, I don't think that's likely, but I can imagine if Gogan launches, you have Plutus smart contracts, you have smart contracts on Cardano's mainnet, and then nothing happens and there's no real applications that get deployed quickly, then I think people might start to get a little bit upset. The other thing is, is that if you look at all the years past, you look at Cardano's major launches, you look at Shelly, for example, there was all this hype leading up to it, but it took some time for everything to settle out and for everyone to make sense of this new thing. And the price of ADA went down when it launched. And there was just this sort of lull. I think everyone was so excited and so excited. And so it's it's gonna be very interesting to see how this one goes. If dApps launch on day one, I don't actually think there's gonna be any lull in excitement. I think it's just gonna be continuously exciting. I think if dApps don't launch on day one, which I think is unlikely, there could be sort of this taper off and then it'll have to ramp back up in excitement. But right now, regardless, I think everything's on track from what I've been tracking, what I've been seeing, everything looks like it's good to go. This last testnet period is going to be the most telling. So between now and probably September 9th-ish, we will know almost all there is to know about how likely this is to go swimmingly, but they will not launch this if there are any issues whatsoever in testnet. Thank you for your question, Ramis. All right, second question is from Tadis Dillon. Just started getting into crypto gaming. Excellent. One question that came out from that is one of the projects that I'm trying to buy. They have a buyback and burn program whenever the price hits three-day moving average. Was wondering if you can explain what exactly happens when tokens are burned and what do you think of this type of burning as I'm wondering if it's just an artificial token price manipulation. So burning of tokens, I'll talk about the mechanics first and then the specifics after. So when you're burning a token, 
most token contracts, like if you have, for example, an ERC-20 token on Ethereum or BSC, for example, a lot of these contracts have a mechanism for burning, which is basically deleting, if you will, or removing from circulation and supply a certain number of tokens. And so there are a lot of different ways you can implement this. And this happens sometimes in token contracts when you have applications or it can happen at the protocol level. So you have Ethereum now burning Ether in the protocol as part of base fee burning in consensus. And so it is an economic lever and it can be used in a very healthy way. It can also be used in a very unhealthy way. In some cases, token burning to pullback supply has to be done with extreme care because you can eventually get to the point where your incentive for people is to, to burn, to reduce supply or to make your supply deflationary for a token. But if you do that in a way that you can't control, if you do that in a way that's not balanced, you can actually create other issues in your token economy as well, where the token goes up in value way too fast, way too much, you price people out, they can no longer get involved, they can no longer use the platform that the token is for. This particular project, while I don't know exactly which one you're speaking about, thinking about it from the perspective of they're looking at when the price hits a certain point, they burn tokens, that might just be sort of a, a price control mechanism. And so in a way you can call it price manipulation, but the reality is, is that there's a check and balance in that because people have to be using the token and have to be buying the token is what it seems to me. There has to be demand in order for this to happen. So really it's all about balancing a token economy and it's not an easy thing to do. Burning is just one tool in the toolkit and really effectively all it is is a mechanism to remove tokens from supply. And people do that algorithmically. Sometimes people do that through, through a protocol, different options for different people. But in general rule of thumb, what you wanna do is you wanna look at how the burning mechanism affects the price in a short time scale, maybe even across a month to see how it behaves. And then you can sort of make a determination as to whether or not you think this is a legitimate or valuable use case for burning of tokens or not. Um, token economies are complex and that's why I always exercise caution and you should as well when buying into projects early on. All right, folks, third question of the day is from Don R. You often talk about the importance of interoperability between chains. Do you think the same is true for NFTs in play to earn where game components and characters can move from one game or platform or metaverse to another? Yes, that is the best possible answer that I can give here. In the future, all of these different games that are rooted on certain blockchain platforms are going to be valuable because of how interoperable they are with other environments and other, you know, other metaverses or other games. I think the end state for NFT-based gaming is going to be that you can move items from one ecosystem to another you can use NFTs from games in DeFi environments as well. You can basically treat them like financial instruments in many different ways, much like you would a precious metal or you know a relic from history in the real world. I think there's a lot of big use cases. And I think the games that will be successful and the metaverses that will be successful going forward are gonna be the ones that prioritize interoperability, ones that prioritize cross-chain experiences, ones that try to blur the lines between all these different siloed projects. I think one of the things that, that people struggle with with games today is that once you exhaust the content in that game, 
there's no more content for you to consume, so you stop playing. That can be solved by giving users the reality or the ability to create content in the game. So you basically have user-created content keeping your game fresh and new. And then the second issue is that folks are required basically to have, all their friends have to have the same game as them. Or they have to have a game that has a lot of users or else it's no fun to play. And I think in a world where all these games sort of have no borders with each other and they can freely interact with each other and, and items and things can move between each other and you start to have this like universe of metaverses, if you will, I think that is going to be the future of gaming. And within that, you have this alternative reality, an alternative world where people can build all sorts of experiences. You know, it can be, you know, a digital meeting place for everyone to hang out like you've seen already in the crypto space. It could also be a digital sort of game room where you have all these different entry points to different decentralized games. You, you walk into a virtual arcade and there's an entry for Star Atlas. There's an entry for other games. There's so many cool things that you can do with this technology that just haven't yet been fully realized. And I think interoperability is going to be one big component of achieving that, as will, I think, just the continuous movement of, of humanity to have interest in this type of thing into virtual reality and into you know gaming with play to earn, gaming with actual genuine value in it. And, and that, that is my genuine belief. And there was another question similar to this that I, quite frankly, I saved and now I can't find it. And I tried to go back through all my tweets to find it and I, I just can't find it anymore. So I apologize for that. But this last question, the fourth question is related to NFT gaming. And someone was basically asking like, is play to earn legit? Like, is play to earn something valuable? Is it actually realistic? Right now, Axie Infinity is what people use as an example of play to earn. Because in many different countries around the world, let's say you can sell an Axie for $350 US. That's a significant amount of money in many countries around the world. So if you have Axies and you are battling, you know, you're earning smooth love potions or SLPs, you're breeding your axes and you're just creating new axes. You can sell those in the open market and you can make a living wage playing a game full time. Like full time, you can play this game. Now, play to earn is immature because this is one of the first examples of doing this. And of course, Axie Infinity, one of the main things is it's very hard to balance the economy in the sense that now new players can't get in because it's so expensive to even start playing the game now. So that's the big challenge. And there are like scholarships where people who have axes can lend them to people in, you know, that can't afford to play because they can't afford to buy the baseline three axes. Like I think at a bare minimum, it probably costs you 1200 bucks to start playing Axie Infinity. So there are issues with the play to earn model without a doubt. But there will be demand for NFTs in the future. There will be demand for in-game items in the future. And this is just the beginning of play to earn. I think play to earn personally is going to be a huge mechanism by which people around the world in countries that have phones, that have access and connectivity, but don't have the ability to earn a significant income to actually get involved in this new economy. I, I really, really do. And some people will disagree with me and I fully respect your opinion on that. 
But what I've already seen is in the Philippines, uh, you know, I have family in the Philippines. People are playing Axie Infinity as your full-time job and making way more money than they were before doing that full-time. To me, it blows my mind. And there are plenty of issues with it, as we've already discussed. But in the future, Star Atlas, maybe Network, maybe Alluvium, maybe... I mean, there's so many games. I mean, there's so many games being built in the blockchain space, and it's really hard to tell which ones are going to be successful and which ones aren't. This is going to be the future of of gaming, and I think play to earn is a big part of that. It's going to be the challenge of creating a balanced economy so that people who don't have a lot of sort of starting capital to get into the game need to have a pathway into the game. And if you can solve for that and then you can build a sustainable economy around it and you reward skill, so skill-based gaming, where you have to do something and be good at something to earn, I think you could build something really special that helps a lot of people and it's really positive for a lot of people. That's my perspective. I would love to hear in the comments down below what you think about play to earn. If you hate it, if you think it's never going to work, if you think it's great, anything in between, let me know what you think. Folks, thank you so much for watching Crypto Over Coffee. As always, I really, really, really appreciate it. And if you do have some time to stick around, please do check out this video that's linked up on the screen here with my friends at Charged Particles, a really cool NFT-related project that you will probably enjoy hearing about if you haven't already. Thank you so much. Hope you have a great week and weekend ahead. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.